Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today for Superheroes of Science, we are here with Raymond Ye. Raymond is an assistant professor with the Department of Computer Science here at Purdue University. So welcome. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you. How long have you been at Purdue? I've been at Purdue for uh, one year now. Okay, so for a year? Third, yeah, this is my third semester. Oh, nice. You like campus? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I figured I'd break you in a couple of easy questions because you look nervous. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, do I like campus? <laughs> All right, well, is our weather? How's our weather? You've been here a full year now, so. The weather's good enough. <laughs> I'd say it that way. Yeah. It's not raining today, so right. we're oh, snowing. That's nice. Either right. one, so yeah. it's good, right? Yeah. It throws people off. But, all right. Um, like I said, you look nervous, so I was wanted to ask you something simple and easy, which is always dangerous because sometimes that throws people off even more. And Sarah never lets me live it down when I mess that up. Mm. Yeah. But we're going to talk about AI. Yes. And that's like your world. But it's like, I know AI means artificial intelligence, to, but to be honest, I really don't know what that means, especially yeah. today. Mm. It seems like oh, it means right. something different than it used to. I, yeah. I mean, it's not the Skynet that we saw on <laughs> it, I think. I Maybe it is now. I don't know. So uh, <laughs> what, as simple as you can for someone like me, what is AI exactly now? I see. Yeah, so in terms of, before talking about AI, maybe we should characterize a little bit of what is intelligence, right? How do we yes. know what is yeah. intelligent? So um, from my perspective, it seems to be uh, you want to have some agent that's able to interact, perceive, and reason with some environment, right? If it's like, let's say we have like a stone just laying there, not very interesting, yeah. probably not intelligent. And so the field of artificial intelligence is then kind of, can we study and build systems that exhibit these intelligent behavior? So this would include things like computer vision. So we want to build computers that can perceive and see the world or robotics, which you can interact through uh, control and, um, with, and move things around in the physical world. So that would be like subfields of AI, but it's really a kind of a group of a field. Like it can also include things like philosophy because it studies reasoning, right? So that will also, oh. can be also counted as artificial intelligence. So it really depends who you talk to, uh, but the field is evolving, right? So what constitute as artificial intelligence, you know, maybe like 50 years ago and what's yeah. now also shifts as the technology improves. For example, we can say like a calculator could probably constitute as an AI a couple of years ago because it can, yeah. it can perform math and that is a skill that, you know, intelligent beings can do. But nowadays you were just thinking, well, it's just a calculator. <laughs> yeah. okay. so that's kind yeah. of where the gap is. It's a little bit evolving, but it's essentially anything skills that human beings can do. And then when you try to build a system or like a machine that can mimic it, that will be counted in that field of uh, artificial intelligence. Okay. Yeah. It's a, you threw in the machine aspect of it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like you talk about robots then and stuff. So, I mean, is that, are all robots under the umbrella of oh. AI? You, 
you could frame it that way. There will be uh, robotics uh, <laughs> researchers who may or may not agree, but yes, uh, following the very general definition, that will probably be. Uh, I'm personally, I would count it as a subfield in AI. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And you're talking about subfields, and it's so it's it's much bigger than I think than what I was originally kind of thinking. This large umbrella. What is your what you what your as we say what's your jam? Uh, especially your, here, right? yeah. Especially there's the yeah. big word. See that's why you're here. <laughs> um, my specialty is in actually in computer vision. So I build machines that can perceive and understand the world. And I essentially I work with images and videos, and also recently with uh, 3D uh, like rendering. Um, but that's kind of <laughs> what it covers. Wow. And so how? Okay, so I. Help me, help me, help figure this out. Uh-huh. All right, and we've already discussed. I'm a little slow, and so <laughs> have to be patient with me a little bit. But all right, so I, I mean, something with vision. I'm like, okay, well, I have a camera. Mm-hmm. It's capturing pixels of right. light reflected. What is the AI side that you're taking that beyond what like my camera would do? I see. So uh, actually, your camera is always already incorporates like some artificial aspect to it. So think about, let's say, your smartphone. When you lift it up and point at a person, yeah. you automatically see these little boxes around people's faces. Yeah. That is being that's run by some AI technique, right? So it's doing face detection, right? So given these image, it can recognize, right? This is part of the AI, like you can perceive what's the input, okay. yeah. right? So mm-hmm. it can recognize where faces are and then put a box around, it, right? So uh, phones these days or camera these days have some AI capability. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of why it's kind of hard or interesting beyond just like your camera recording the pixel is how you interpret these pixels, right? It comes in light intensity, so the way you can kind of think about an image is a grid of numbers. But if you just stare at a grid of numbers, you can't really see what's the content inside. Right. So how do you take that grid of numbers and convert it into say, this is a human face? That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. I a challenge. <laughs> yeah. So and, uh, it, it, is it more than just like what we would think of as vision, or is this AI like like the vision of this? Is it is it pretty straight up just like what we see, but we're wanting to teach computers to do this, or is it is there more involved? Yeah, so I think uh, most of the computer vision is kind of a try to match human performance, okay. right? And you know we can recognize things, so we build a machine that can also recognize things. But uh, what is an interesting concept to think about is machine can actually surpass human uh, ability. Yeah. Like for example, because the sensors, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say if you use a uh, infrared sensor, but our eyes cannot really see infrared, yeah. right? Right. Now it can perceive things that's even outside of a, our sensory modality from human. Wow. So it can go beyond human, given the right sensors. Okay. For instance, like there's a potential. Let's say it that way. All right. So how the it and that's a good point because when I turned on that camera right there. <laughs> It was wanting to know where the focus was and exactly what you said. It had that little, as little yellow squares right over you. I'm like, okay, it, the focus is where it should be. How does it know you're a person? No. Right. So, uh, how it works these days is uh, I actually don't know the ones that run in your camera, but oh. in general, the uh, methodology is. I mean, it used to be that it's just um, kind of designed by handcrafted in some sense by you know human experts. You know, we try to write programs or a set of rules, basically, saying how do you take from input and then say, 
this is the output, and then you somehow like code in a set of logical statements that leads to that result. Mm -hmm. That's like the earlier AI, like how do you build an intelligence system? Well, we encode our expertise into a program, and then now the machine can run it. That's the earlier version. And then um, those methods kind of works well to a degree, yeah. but it's not very uh, uh, robust in the sense that we always kind of have edge cases and miss out this and that. Yeah. So the more um, kind of uh, popular approach these days is through machine learning, or the idea is instead of writing those uh, code ourselves, we use like data to dictate what are the kind of rules to get to the end result. So the idea is you feed it massive amount of data, and it can kind of pick up certain patterns like what looks like faces, mm -hmm. and then recognize that through this means. Yeah. So it's it's analyzing where you said it's all numbers comes down to all being numbers. Correct. That someone has told that program when these numbers are in this. So earlier it's like, like someone has told it, but now it's more like I give it an input, say these are images, and I told it that okay, this image contains a face, and the face is here. But in the intermediate, how I went from this input to the output is not given to the machine. The machine is supposed to figure out how it's oh. through a training process. So that's kind of when you say like there's like learning. Yeah. It's actually um, the machine kind of it's figuring out how, what how do you get from the input to the output, and this is done uh, basically by uh, defining a performance metric. Right. So the idea is um, you have a machine that takes an input and output, and then we can measure its progress. Right. Mm -hmm. And okay. the ideal case is the more data you feed it, the performance measure should go up, right? And that's yeah. because it's learning. That, that, that's kind of the simplified version of what machine learning means, is just somehow you feed it data, and this performance metric that you can keep track of goes up. It's kind of like test taking. Fair enough. And yeah. if you, are there safeguards in that if you notice it starts, maybe it's supposed to recognize a face, but now it's recognizing a tree as a face or, right. or you know, something like that. Are there are there measures in where that can be corrected? Or? Ah, I see. Yeah, so... Usually, uh, we monitor kind of the performance metrics throughout the train, right? Like, oh, okay. if you feed it, like, more and more data, and then you see this metric starts to, like, go up, mm -hmm. probably you need to go back and look at, maybe there's something wrong with the data. Like, maybe someone mislabeled or something by a large portion, or uh, the other case, it, it could work really, really well. It might be that, you know, uh, your data is not representative of, of actually the task. Like, if it's just very too easy, and okay. the machine is actually learning some kind of shortcut, <laughs> that match only matches your data, but it never actually works outside of the, oh. the work. So that's also possible. <laughs> that's yeah. interesting, right? It's kind of like test taking, and then like yeah. they can do the homework, but they cannot solve the exam. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like that. that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Now, your your area is vision. You said yeah, but then you said something about video too. Yeah. Um, what is it you're trying to do, and why? Oh, so the difference between let's say and image and the video is now you just have a sequence of frames. Okay. And um, this means you can have uh, capture things like motion, right? So that cannot be, I mean, it can, you can kind of estimate a motion from a single frame, like you can guess like a person like imaging yeah. a, uh -huh. a, a, like in, in a gesture, right? like running halfway between, you know if she's probably running, mm -hmm. right? But uh, for video, then you can actually see the trajectory and it's a much more uh, natural um, kind of medium to work with, especially if you wanted to interact with the real world, right? Like, it's rare that you can freeze the time and then, I, I have one frame and then take 10 minutes, analyze it, and then come back 
Right. So you yeah. want to process videos and ideally in real time, it's like every second I can yeah. process it within like let's say thirty frames per second. Right. And and then you can make decisions really quickly. So that's kind of um, why uh, understanding video will also be interesting. Okay. Where, what are some applications for that in the real world? So, because I, now I'm starting to think like, wow, that, I could see where that would be like, like medically, that, that would be really good um, to mm. where that, that you got in that field of motion and now you can, there's so much more data to, but where are some I see. places where. For example, like um, self-driving car, that would oh. be interesting. And then maybe uh, some of these uh, survey, surveillance camera for mm -hmm. safety reasons. Okay. Right. So I think, I mean, like things like a ring doorbell they have some kind of analysis of uh, video capability they can see like someone stealing your package yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. and recognize that uh -huh. and take a picture and be like well yeah, yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> so does my you said self-driving cars but then I'm thinking okay the car I have now I notice it has an adaptive um, cruise mm. So it's detecting if a car is in front of me and it's changing my speed of my car on yeah. its own. Yeah, that, you can count it as AI as is well. That, yeah, but I don't know how, uh, I'm not an expert in that area, so I can't comment on like how sophisticated. Mm -hmm. It could be that you know they just have a sensor in front of it and be like, well, don't get too close. It's, maybe okay. the, it's probably not rule-based, but yeah, it's, it's hard for me to tell. Okay. okay. Okay, it could be a lot simpler. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, okay. sometimes simple things work. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's actually more than yeah. yeah. Sarah overcomplicates things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a simple person. <laughs> so what um, what projects are you working on right now? Yeah, so right now I'm particularly interested in how do we uh, make uh, like these machine learning uh or sorry, uh, computer vision models a little bit more uh, robust to certain type of transformation. So what it will be interesting, what is interesting is if you actually take like a um, uh, computer vision model and then it's getting a camera input and it, and then it predicts, let's say there's a cat, okay? Uh -huh. And then you just shift the camera by like a few pixels and you will start to see that the probability of the predicted, uh, of that cat start to fluctuate. And that's not a very desirable um, behavior, right? Because it's just a very simple shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, how do we address that? Can we make it more consistent with, like, if just a few pixels, it shouldn't be fluctuating that much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I'm actually quite excited about is um, not only is uh, the model should get it correct, it needs to get it correct consistently. Okay. And a lot of, you know, benchmarks, they'll show you one image and then, you see how the way they collect the data is so that everything is centered properly and already cropped, right? Yeah. So yeah, that makes it a little bit easier. And okay. But if you try to take that model train on that specific data and apply it to something else, you will see that, well, a simple shift by a few pixels now changes your probability. And that's not a desirable behavior uh, to have. All right. So uh, if, if I... If if I were a student, maybe, or, or just a person looking for another career, I guess, and I thought, well, AI, that might be my future, too. I might like to do that. Mm -hmm. What, tell me your typical day. Typical what, day. As a, as yeah. a, you're a scientist, you study AI, you mm -hmm. work on developing AI. So what's your typical day like? I see. This, I don't think I've ever asked anyone that. That That's might be a new question, question for yeah, me. Yeah. yeah. So recently, actually, the my day is actually... Uh, you know, reading papers and trying to keep up with the amount of progress that's 
definitely. Um, so the amount of papers that's come on like archive these days is just many, and all of them is within this AI field. So it's just mm -hmm. keeping track of the trend is already. <laughs> I spent a lot of, like the day, and then the rest is just I I, I think about kind of the project I'm interested in. Um, and in terms of the researchers, I. Most of my day is actually working with students. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Well, that's good. So, uh, you uh, working on the AI is a lot of your time uh, doing the coding behind it, or is it more evaluating performance? Or ah, I see. Yeah. So AI is an interesting field. It's that you know, in more traditional computer science is that you write code and then you write some test cases and the, those are you know you can kind of check whether it's working or not mm -hmm. but now in AI is let's say you get data involved now data is kind of noisy right it could be that, that your data is not high quality enough so your approach doesn't work instead of your approach is not good enough it's actually the data is not good enough mm -hmm. so a lot of time is uh, I would, like when I work with students I would actually encourage them to look at the actual data and you have uh, some domain knowledge, it will help your AI to work much better, right? But, you know, there's the other extreme where what companies are doing is just put as much as data and the noise would, like, average it out. Like, you have a lot of data, the noise just averages out and it's not uh -huh. that big of a deal. But I guess it depends on what kind of scale um, we are operating at and the, the, the focus will be uh, different because um, if you don't look at the data, then you have to probably spend a lot of time making your model run efficiently at scale. And that's um, just a different kind of regime on um, that kind of AI research. That's a good point. It makes me think, where does all this data get stored? And it probably does depend on how complex that is, but where, where is this data typically stored? I see. Um, depends. Like, uh, for what we do, you know, we download it from the internet, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, for companies, right, like, I mean, Google, pretty sure they have a large database on their, their own, and I'm sure OpenAI collects their own databases on there, so. Okay. Yeah. So just data, just somewhere stored yeah, databases? Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, hmm. So, I, well, I think the question was, well, the same one of them I was thinking of, yeah. too, what you're mm -hmm. asking. But, uh, it's, so, do you have, like, uh, cluster, storage clusters, like, on campus somewhere where you have tons of, like, terabytes of data for each model you're doing? I see, I see. Uh, yeah, so we actually uh, uses the Purdue, um, I forgot actually, the research uh, cluster. Actually, I forgot the full name. I'm so apologize. But, <laughs> uh, but, so, uh, but, yeah, but Purdue has great support in, okay. in, com uh, in, in, in the faculty's uh, compute. And so I just use uh, what's actually provided it's, by the campus cluster. So then you just budget, you have to like pay for so much yeah, you have uh, to pay space. Yeah, yeah, and then as you, if you're, let's say, the program you're working on, your AI, if it has, like you said, some of them have lots of data, so you're trying to refine it. Yeah. Then do you just have to get funding to get more storage? Yeah, that's probably, that's yeah, that's accurate. I think. Yeah. Okay. I think the work I do in my lab is not particularly large scale, so we don't run into that issue often. Okay. But uh, I could imagine if people were working on like. Uh, like large learning model, right? They will need a lot more data, uh, space than, than what I need. <laughs> yeah. it, how did you get to the point where you understand what the heck that data means? Because it's, if you would give me that data set, I would have no clue what I was yeah, looking at. I would assume this is the matrix. <laughs> um, and it's just, 
the computers are doing things. Uh, how do you know, and you teach students to, because you mm -hmm. mentioned you have them look at the data, how does someone understand, start to get to the point that they understand what, because I hear the word data a lot. Right. If I talk to a climate scientist, mm -hmm. the data they're talking about is very different than the data you're referring to as an AI developer. I see, I see. Yeah, so in terms of data, the way I will characterize it is, I mean, most of the uh, let's say computer vision data is actually just crawled from the internet. It's like you have Google search and then they crawl it from the internet, right? Mm -hmm. You get all these images and then the next step is someone will annotate it. That's a typical setup is, let's say you're interested in human faces, then someone will go and annotate the, all the faces within this image. Oh. It, it's actually task dependent. Um, there's a trend moving away from it, but uh, I'm not. Uh, talk too much about that. Yeah, yeah. It's, so is that where uh, students spend a lot of their time where they have to annotate, as you say? So they, they're, I go in, I'm like, hey, show me pictures of people, then you have this whole right. uh, so that's collection the, of people pictures. Yeah, that's the kind of uh, annotation is kind of done and people crowdsource it, they put it to Amazon okay. Turk or something. But uh, you need then you need to ensure like the quality that you get back is of uh, the standard, right? Uh, right. Or, you know, people can try to trick you into paying oh. them just by labeling random things, right? So there's some quality yeah. control in it. Yeah. Um, so collecting that data is uh, when you want to uh, work on a new task, right? So you don't have an existing data set. A lot of what computer vision uh, is about these days is that the data set has already been collected, right? So someone will propose a new task and then they will come with a data set along with it. They, they did the work. And the next step is if you want to work on top of it, you start with their data set. Mm -hmm. And then you try to improve whether it's the approach or there's some techniques to kind of make it the task performance metric go up. Yeah. That's kind of the uh, idea. Okay. And so hopefully at some point you'll uh, develop, uh, can I say an AI? Is is like put it that way? Am I allowed to say AI? <laughs> <laughs> or, or is it an AI program? Or is it an AI algorithm? It's a, I think it's algorithm random. Okay. And it's task dependent, right? Like it, it just not really one algorithm that matches all of them. Mm -hmm. It's starting to look like that, you know, uh, like across computer vision, across natural language processing, the algorithms are getting more and more similar. It's all based on some kind of machine learning yeah. or deep learning specifically. Um, but I think there's uh, their own uh, natural spin because the data properties are different. So the model is slightly adjusted. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I have kind of a strange question. I just, I think I heard you say something about a large language model. Correct. And I've seen this, this, these, this phrase come up a few times. What is a large language model or is that something that can be explained Ah, I see. Yeah, so I think this is a, a interest uh, that when we talk about yeah, everyone still want to talk about, it, and it's primarily just because uh, ChatGPT right, it was yeah. released last year, and yeah. then, um, it got a lot of interest because it started to work very well. Yeah. And uh, I was quite surprised with how, how, how well it worked, and uh -huh. even myself. Yeah, I think. Um, and I think the reason why people are interested in it because it works, and then there's uh, essentially uh, values that based on the output, right? So I don't know, yeah. for example, students start to using them to write homework for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so far, you know, I'm not sure if it has found success in my course, but <laughs> yeah. but yeah, um, people start to using them. And so by large language model, it's really like a chatbot, right? Oh, so, okay. 
you can think of it like it's the underlying, like large language is a, the model that uh, runs kind of behind this chatbot interface, and but it can be rep repurposed to do other things, oh. right? So it's not necessary you know, to chat with it. Right. I see. Mm -hmm. it, it can analyze, you know, ask it to do a summary of, let's say, literature, mm -hmm. uh, a paper, right? Yeah. And we'll just do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. Where Where are we going in the future? Well, yeah. So, yeah, tell me 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. 10 years from now, what's AI going to be in your vision? So uh, I'll just say it this way. Um, I think like as like scientists, I'm not sure we're really good at making prediction too long into the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, some people will project, you know, AI is going to uh, match human capability in, in every aspect, right? And some people debate, say, this is five years or 50 years. Uh, my take on it, it will get, uh, AI will be really good at things that uh, we're not really good at. For example, memorization. Like, you know, just regurgitating facts. Mm -hmm. AI is really good at it. And it, it will know, like, facts that nobody knows. And yeah. <laughs> like, whatever is on the internet, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that there will be use cases. And it's probably going to be really good at very routine things. So if you're in front of, like, a computer doing a very routine job, AI can will get really good at that, right? So if you're doing routine things, um, AI can basically follow the procedure, that's easy. But what is hard, I think, is, you know, like, things like uh, common sense, right? Like, how do, for example, how do I tie a shoelace? Like, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's still quite difficult, like, if you want to get a robot and tie a shoelace. Good. But I might be wrong. Yeah, it, the, the, there's, right, uh, advancement in robotics these days, that's also really fast. Yeah. But, I think um, it's still a little bit farther away. And then right now, um, even for a large language model, it fails in very awkward ways that no human being will actually fail. Like if you ask it a certain uh, question, it will just have a response that you can easily tell that that's not the right answer. Mm -hmm. And yeah. sometimes you can't characterize what's this failure mode. It's just, it's, it's a little bit awkward. But, you know, it's really good at um, some of the other things, right? It can, write code pretty well, right? Because code is actually a, a trained, like you train these uh, uh, computer scientists and to follow these rules. AIs are particularly good at following rules, right? Okay. And, but the problem with uh, AI in the is that it will also um, kind of hallucinate a little bit. Sometimes it makes up stuff, right? So it, it, right? Like you told it to use this certain package and the package, like the software package doesn't actually exist. They just made it up, right? So. That, these are like failure modes that is not common to human, right? Like you, mm -hmm. even if you get like a, a like an undergrad student, they would probably not make up a software package. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I don't know. I've not seen it before. It's just it seems like a silly thing to do, but AI will do it, you know, as is. So I think the way we're uh, progressing is AI will be a really good tool, but we will still be the one using it, right? Yeah. And. Um, for example, if you write in code, now there's like Copilot that's like basically AI, like autocomplete for coding. So a lot of times, you know, we write these like boilerplate. Now I, I just need to keep pressing tab and then it will fill out yes. <laughs> a yes. bunch of it. Yes. Right? And, and yes. this is true also for some of the emails. Yeah. So I think um, the direction is. AI is going to have a positive impact on the society and then we'll have good tools and then help us make it more productive. 
but at the same time, it'll fail in awkward ways that we need our intervention. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you just let it run on its own, it's 90% of the time, 99, let's say, works well. Mm-hmm. But that 1% of the time may be a, <laughs> of concern. Yeah. yeah. All right, so it's the last question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think a lot of people have um, seen a lot of sci-fi movies. Mm. And uh, when we start talking about AI, that's the first thing that comes to mind, that a computer is going to become self-aware, sentient, and take over the world in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, is, in your opinion, as an expert in AI, it, is it possible for a computer to get to the point where it, it could either be self-aware or believe that it's self-aware? Believe it's self-aware. <laughs> I think you can... So, so it really depends on what training data you feed it to. So I think you could, uh, you know, construct this data set and then just, you know, um, yeah, because the way language, like let's say large language one model works is really like predicting the next word, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what's going to say is like predicting the next word. Um, so you could create a data set and then construct all these conversation where it's like I'm self aware, and then that's kind of to extend what uh, I think there was a news article that said like. They found ChatGPT to be sentient or whatever. Um, it's kind of like that. It's picking up on some training data, uh-huh. but I'm not sure if I will categorize that as sentient or it has self-conscious. Right. But can it make decision or give you suggestion that it looks like mm-hmm. it is has some feelings, etc. You can probably some people can probably be perceived perceive mm-hmm. it that way, but in the end, you know, it's still just like it's running behind a. Computer, right? Yeah. And if you're really worried about it, just unplug it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, if you end up like you know mm-hmm. linking AI to a bunch of stuff, and you can't have this unplugged switch, that is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. But if, if you know, if you're really worried about, I, I think the you know the sci-fi, the I, I'm I'm personally not there yet. Yeah. I'm not convinced <laughs> that it will take over the world, but I think it will have a tremendous impact on how we work. Right, because it'll be a good tool. And right. If we don't know these AI tools, it's just going to be behind, right? So, for example, I, I was just thinking about you know a lot of uh, uh, like lower level jobs with like, which is like data entry, mm-hmm. right? So you look at some spreadsheet and then you type it. Yeah. Right. That type of job, it, it becomes like you just take a picture. It makes it much faster. However, if you don't have such a technology, you'll probably spend like ten x time doing that work. Right. So, but being aware that there's such a tool for, let's say, a company or a person, it saves them a lot of time. Sure. So, mm-hmm. I guess AI will take over in the sense that we will want to use it and then it will be part of our daily lives and it has already been to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. Your smartphone, let's say your Gmail, right? All of them have yeah. these recommendation systems running behind them anyways. So, I, I guess it will just be more and more of that in uh, other applications that we have not been using it for now. Okay. But I'm, I'm actually quite more opt- on the optimistic side. Um, I understand there's always like uh, other concerns regarding like you know, for example, fake news. Like can AI now just there's other concerns. Um, but I think as a community, people are aware of it and try to uh, come up with solutions to it as well. So I'm more on the optimistic side. I like that. I do too. I like That's that. really good. Oh, so I think you. I think you explained that well too. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it, it can't become self-aware, but you might program it to appear to uh-huh. self-aware. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I like that. I like and that. I'm not sure why people do it. I guess there's everyone have different interests. Like to me, I've always viewed AI as a tool, but maybe that's just because of my background. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I, I can understand, you know, um, if people come from like the true AI and that's their passion on how they want to make an intelligent machine that on yeah. its own. It's very different than say, I just want a smart camera that can recognize faces, right? So yeah. I, I <laughs> yeah, but that's just because of my background. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, well, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. Boiler up! Hammer down!